So what, what, what is tomorrow? Christmas. Christmas. It's Christmas Day. That's exactly right. Ooh, I like that tie, man. You got, I'm talking to you. The plaid right here. You can't, you can't hide, you can't hide money or class, can you? Right. Oh yeah, I like that. Everybody looks good. Everybody looks good. So, so what's happening at Christmas? What's happening for Christmas? Go ahead, help her out. Presents, that's right. So, so presents. So, what what are you guys uh, asking for for Christmas? Anybody help me out? Yes, ma'am. Um, I want a unicorn. A unicorn. A unicorn. There that's you not go. hard to find at all. <laughs> Somebody else? Yes, sir. Um, I want a telescope. That looks like a, telescope. a what? A telescope. That look like and in space, we don't want one of those cheap ones, right? We want a real one. Mr. Scientist. I want a Batman mask voice changer. <laughs> Batman. You want the voice? Changer. I'm Batman. Okay. Right, 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 right back here. Right back here. Huh? A horse? Yeah, that's easy. Easy. What would you like for Christmas? A walkie-talkie. Oh, nice. Wow. No, no, no. Help me out. Why do you want a walkie-talkie? What's, what's the deal with a walkie-talkie? Well, um, me and my brother, we want to sneak up on Santa. Oh, there you go. I'm going to pray that that happens for you. I'm going to pray that happens for you. Somebody else. Yes, sir. I want a karaoke machine. Karaoke machine. Just for your parents, right? To bless them. You like to sing? Yeah. Awesome. You want to sing all, all right, the house. Right here. These three right here. One. Um, I want a baby alive doll. A baby alive doll. So Better you can cry in the middle baby, of the night? Though, Good. Right? Yeah. A puppy. A puppy? Puppy, yeah. Oh, all right. So, can somebody else tell me? So, what else is happening besides presents at Christmas? Yes, ma'am. Family, that's important, right? In laws and the outlaws, that's good. Somebody else? Jesus' birthday. Wow. Good right, answer. Way to go. Good answer. good answer. Listen, that always works at church. Can I just help you? Like, if you don't know the answer, just go Jesus. And most of the time, it's gonna, that's going to be the right one. So, so Jesus' birthday. So, where was Jesus born? Yeah, in a haystack, that's close. In, in a manger in Bethlehem. Yeah, yeah, no, you got it. He looked at me like, that's the same gist. I mean, so, who was, what was the name of Jesus's, I'm going to see if you get this one, Jesus's mom. Do you know? Mary. Mary, very good. And what was his dad's name? Right here. Somebody that hasn't answered. Right here. Yeah, you. Joseph. So why didn't they like get, why didn't they have the baby in, in like a hospital or something? What, what was the deal with that? Somebody, somebody hasn't answered. Back then they didn't have hospitals. They didn't have hospitals. Thank you, doctor. But that, that's it. And? And when they tried to go into people's houses, they kept shutting their doors. They said they, they, had, they, they, had, they didn't have No room. Right, no room. That's the one I was looking for. Those are both correct. They're both <laughs> correct. All right, so. So I want to read this story because this is the this is the reason why we're all here today is for the birth of Jesus. So Luke's Gospel chapter two, starting in verse one, and you guys can help me because I'm gonna have you help me do a couple of faces and some stuff like that. Is that all right? Can you do faces, Miss Nedswicky? No, you got a good face, so you can just like. All right, here we go. Here we go. At that time. Augustus Caesar sent an order to all the people in the, in the countries under the Roman rule. They must list their names in a register. This was the first register, and it went to all, and all went to their own towns to be registered. 
So Joseph left Nazareth, a town in Galilee, and went to the town of Bethlehem in Judea, known as the town of David. And Joseph went there because he was from the family of David. Joseph was engaged to be married to who? Mary. Mary, thank you. And, uh, and she was now great with child, and they were in Bethlehem. The time came for Mary to have the baby, and she gave birth to her firstborn son named? Jesus. Jesus. God, same thing. Molly's like, just to the point, God. Okay, that's very good. So um, they were <laughs> at that time gave birth to our firstborn son because there was no room left for them in the, in the inn or the inside. Yeah, or Holiday Inn. That all works. Right. She wrapped the baby in pieces of cloth and laid him in a haystack or a manger. <laughs> so it's all the same. That night, some shepherds were in the field nearby watching their sheep. You may know what the sound a sheep makes. That's it. And then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they became greatly afraid. Can you give me your best afraid face on the count of three? One, two, three. Oh, wow, I'm scared. Okay, good. And they were greatly afraid. Um, and the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I'm bringing you good news that will be of great joy to all people. Today your Savior was born in the town of David. He is Christ the Lord. This is how you will know him. You will find the baby wrapped in pieces of cloth. Yeah, lying in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. And then a very large group of angels from heaven joined the first angel, praising God and saying, Give glory to God in the heaven and on earth. Let there be peace among men who please God. And when the angels left them, they went back to heaven. The shepherds said to each other, Let us go to Bethlehem to see this thing which has been happened by the Lord, the Lord told us about. So the shepherds went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the baby whose name was Jesus, who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they told what the angels had said about this child. And everyone was amazed. Can you give me your best look of amazement? One, two, three. That's it. And they were greatly amazed. That's the look you're going to have when you get that unicorn, right? That's it. <laughs> so will I. And everyone was amazed. And the true shepherd said to them, but Mary treasured these things in her heart to think about them. And when the shepherds went back to their sheep, they were praising God and thanking him for everything that they had seen and heard. And that's the story of Christmas. So with all of our family and all of our fun and all the presents and all that we do, we celebrate the birth of Jesus on this Christmas and Christmas Eve. Yep. Good. Are you guys ready for some candy? Yeah. Is that good? You've been, no, you're not? Then I'll take it. I'll take it from you. So what we're going to do, I'm going to ask you guys to help me. I'm going to ask you to help me to stand up real easy. Go to the left or to the right. So half of you go right this way. The other half go left and be easy going off. And moms and dads, you give them a big, big, big hand. Life Church, once again, you have stepped up in a big way to deliver presents to families in the foster care system here in Wisconsin through our Angel Tree Initiative. This year, you gave over 600 gifts, which is nearly doubling the amount of gifts from last year. Uh, we were able to use cars last year to be able to transport these gifts, but because of your generosity, this year we're having to use trucks. So, from scratch catering and J-Dog junk removal, so generously donated some of their work trucks. So we're about to load up these gifts into the trucks, take them down to Milwaukee, and deliver them to the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin. I oversee our foster care and recruitment programs 
and I also oversee our family sponsorship program and the Seared Life Church was one of our two largest donors. So thank you so much for the generosity that you're showing to our families. It really makes a difference for them during the holidays. Thank you. Merry Christmas Life Church. I just want to say thank you on behalf of Children's Hospital of Wisconsin and all the families that you're serving this year for Christmas. Thank you so much for being the body of Christ, being the hands and the feet, and taking care of those that are lacking during this time. It's been exciting over the past year. I've had a chance to meet Pastor Aaron and Pastor Ryan and spend some time. And I can't thank your church enough for what you're doing in this community to help families like this and others Thank you so much, Life Church, and wishing you the very best in 2018. From the very first Christmas to this Christmas, there's been strong imagery. The image of Mary and Joseph and the newborn Jesus in the manger. The images of wise men bearing gifts and the shepherds worshiping their Savior. And the imagery has extended beyond the biblical narrative. When we think of Christmas, we might think of building snowmen after winter's first snowfall, or enjoying a cup of hot chocolate with the whipped cream piled high. We might think about hanging our stockings over a roaring fire or listening to our favorite Christmas songs. We might think about all the treats and goodies that we will consume guilt-free. Or we picture the Christmas tree, fake or real, covered in lights and ornaments. And we'll all think of the presents, either the abundance or lack thereof. And while there is nothing wrong with all of this imagery, it can cause us to lose focus on what Christmas is all about. It's about a God who so loved the world. It's not about the food, music, or presents. It's about a God who gave us his one and only son, a son that humbled himself and came to earth as a baby so that we could have hope. Hope in a king.
Christmas. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. Uh, last week I kind of began uh, talking about the first 16, 17 verses of that chapter, and I said this week I want to kind of get to the end of the story. And, um, and this is a story that we know, it's a story of Christmas. And during Christmas, there's a lot of planning, there's a lot of that goes on from the cooking that you'll do to the families, in laws, the outlaws, getting everybody ready and together, uh, and uh, services and all of that. And how many of you, like with the Christmas shopping, you were already done by Thanksgiving? Just raise your hand. Anybody? Yeah, those are the people you want to be around. And, and how, many, how many of you still got something to pick up on the way home? Anybody? Yeah, there's the truth. There's my people right there. That's what I'm talking about. It's a lot of work. And when you're dealing with something like that and with Christmas plans and everything, regardless of what you have planned, things can get interrupted. And things can happen. Think about over the last 12 months. There were things that happened in the last 12 months that some of you didn't plan on. Maybe a job that was lost that you didn't see coming. Maybe it was um, a problem in your marriage. Maybe it was a bad report from the doctor. Maybe it was the loss of a loved one. And in all of my years of ministry, the one thing that I find that affects people, even sometimes really really devoted followers of Jesus are these interruptions. Because they ask questions of us, like, I, I didn't do anything, or I don't know why this is happening, or, 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 or where is God in the middle of this? And the good news today is that this Christmas story 
It should bring hope and encouragement. That's why I want to kind of talk about some of these interruptions for a few minutes. Because this, uh, this is the place that we all live. And, and Matthew's gospel kind of, well, it kind of tells this story. In, in chapter 1, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. They were engaged. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, the Old Testament, the Torah, he, yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, so he had it in his mind to divorce her quietly, which the law would have provided for. Now, put yourself in Mary's shoes for just for a minute. I mean, I know you know the whole story, but back up. You're young, you're in love, you got a good guy, you're engaged, you're saving yourself sexually for marriage, Joseph has a good job, everything appears to be perfect. And then there's an interruption, a major interruption. Everything, your whole life gets interrupted. And Mary had nothing to do with this interruption. This interruption was all of a sudden the Lord said, hey, you've been chosen. She didn't solicit this job. She didn't run for this job. She didn't try to get this position. It wasn't like God said, hey, we're going to do a lottery system, and whoever's number gets chosen, you'll be the, the, the mother of the Christ child. No, she was chosen. And now all of a sudden, everything that she had planned goes into jeopardy. Will Joseph keep her? Will he believe her? Will he leave her? Will he reject her? Will she be banished from her family? Will she be kind of a social outcast? And, and there's, there's in, in this society, in that day and time, I mean, the, the man made the living and the wife stayed home with the children. And, and in this first century world, that's just how it was. And there was no social welfare. So if, if Joseph did what he could have biblically done, and that is to have divorced her, then she's out with this baby that she didn't ask for, that she didn't do anything. And I'm sure she could have thought and maybe even said to herself, God, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this interruption. I, I had plans on marrying Joseph, and we were going to have a home together, and he has his business, and we're going to just make this wonderful life. I mean, the way it would have worked in the first century is that the husband in the Jewish and in the Jewish household is that the, the, the young man would, would get engaged to the young woman and then he would go away for a year and he would prepare a home and build a place and have everything and then he would come back and get her. That's where we kind of get the whole ideology and the theology of the, of the um, rapture of the church is that the groom, which is Jesus, and we, the church of Jesus Christ, which is the bride of Christ, that he's coming back for us and that we must be ready for him. And so he would come back and then they would begin. They would be married, and there should be a multi-day, a, a couple of week long ceremony and process, and and then they would go begin their life together. That's what she had planned. That's what she signed up for. She didn't sign up for to be the savior of the world's mom. <laughs> she didn't intend that this is what was going to happen. Nor did Joseph, for all that matters. And this is where our story intersects the Christmas story. I didn't plan on the migraines. I, I, I didn't plan on the battling the depression. I didn't plan on getting injured. It wasn't part of my idea to lose a scholarship. I, I didn't know this was going to happen. And I want to leave one truth with you that emerges from all of this. And that's this, that you don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose.
Proverbs 19.21 says that many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the purpose of the Lord that prevails. Mary and Joseph's plans were interrupted, but God's purpose is what prevailed. Look at what they did in verse 20 and 21. But after he, Joseph, considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. See, Mary and Joseph had to decide to trust God in the middle of this interruption. They had to decide to trust God even when they didn't understand the plan. And I get it, man. I, 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 I want to know the full enchilada. I want to know where we're going, where we're eating, what we're doing. I want to know the whole schedule before I sign on. But the way God works is that God gives you bits and pieces. And he wants you to walk through faith, to trust in him, to trust that his purposes will ultimately fulfill all the things that are in your heart. But I don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. The rest of the story with Mary and Joseph is well documented. They travel to Bethlehem, uh, and, and once they get there, uh, Mary gives birth to, to the firstborn son, to Jesus. And she has to do this in a stable because there's no room for them in any kind of an inn. There's no hospital. There's nothing that's there. And the Savior of the world is born. And we know the rest of the story. Obviously, they did the right thing. But, but, but I just want to go back to this interruption. Because that's how the purposes of God typically tend to work in our lives. That we have to understand that walking in faith is sometimes difficult. See, again, Mary didn't sign up for this. Joseph, this wasn't in his plan. And all of a sudden, God begins to unfold what he wants to do in the life of these two young people. Trusting God many times is difficult. Because we want to know the plan. We want to know the sequence. We want to know the order of events. But God doesn't always tell us that. We don't know why what happened in the last year happened. And there may be things this next year that we don't understand. And again, I've seen some really strong Christ followers really get shaken and rattled in their faith because an interruption happened, because something happened that God ultimately was working out. But in the meantime, in the here and now, it was very difficult to see that because they wanted to see the plan. And all you can do in that moment is just trust that God has a purpose. See, it's the only way to truly experience God's purpose. Think about this just for a minute. Think about Joseph. Joseph will be the one that will give Jesus his name. Did you ever think of that? Mary doesn't give him the name. God doesn't speak to Mary to give Joseph the name. Because men in that day and time, especially in a Jewish household, would have been named by the father. And the last name would not have come from the heritage of the mother. It would have come from the heritage of the father. So all the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament about Jesus coming from the lineage of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob through the house of King David all the way down would have come through Joseph, not through Mary. See, God was divinely using Mary to be the Christ's mother, but he was also working in Joseph's heart because it would be Joseph that would teach that young boy what a man's handshake felt like. 
It would be Joseph that would look him eye to eye and teach him how to clear his throat and to stand up straight and to be able to introduce himself. It would be Joseph that would teach him character and would teach him a trade. Jesus was a carpenter. How did he learn that? He didn't just, you understand. I know you sometimes we think, well, Jesus was God. Yes, but he had to be 100% man, which means he had to learn. He didn't come into this world speaking the truths of the Old Testament. He came into this world crying. He was a baby, wrapped in pieces of cloth, lying in a manger because there was no room for him in the end. How does he go from that to the man who would stand in, in the temple and proclaim the words of God? How does he go from that to, 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 to looking at other men and say, hey, come and follow me and I will make you? He had a father who we know very little about except that he chose to trust God's plan. Even when he didn't understand it because he knew the purposes of God. And I don't know what your interruption is, but I just want you to know God has a plan. Even if you don't know, even if I don't know, that's okay. And he's working his purpose out. He did that 2,000 years ago when he gave us Jesus. And he's still at work doing that today. And this Christmas, may we all embrace that you don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose.
scripture. And then we're going to pray and close out this Christmas Eve service. Jesus said of himself in John's gospel, chapter 8, verse 12. He says, for I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. On this Christmas Eve, we put our trust in God, just like lighting that candle. Regardless of the interruptions, we choose to trust his purpose, even when we don't necessarily understand the plan. We choose to put our faith and our trust in him. It's not of us, it's of him. It's by faith that we've been saved through grace, and that not of us is a gift of God. And today what I want to do is simply give you the opportunity, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and into your life, to simply do that. To let the light, like you're holding physically, that scatters the darkness. Let that light spiritually come into your heart and come into your life through Jesus Christ. And let the darkness be eradicated, and the fear be gone with it, and the hopelessness and the helplessness. And the Bible says that when Christ comes in, that he gives us peace that passes understanding. Doesn't mean that there aren't things that happen that we don't understand. It just means that they ultimately work out for the purpose and the plans that God has for us, which are built upon the desires that he puts into your heart. And it means, too, that we have a future and a hope that God has for you, regardless of the interruptions that happen in the future or have happened in the past. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So what I want to do today is I simply want to give you, in just a minute I'm going to ask us to bow our heads, and I'm just going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. If you want to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and invite him into your heart and into your life, if you believe the message that we've been talking about tonight, and it doesn't mean that, you're all, it doesn't mean that you don't have questions, it just means that you believe that Jesus is ultimately the answer to those questions means that you put your faith and your trust in him, that you believe that he's the son of God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, down on the cross for your sins, and rose from the grave, just like the Bible says. And that he's come to give you life today and life in eternity, according to John chapter 3, verse 16. And if you want that light to come into your heart and in your life, it's as simple as you just asking him. Revelation 3, 19, Jesus says, I stand at the door of any man's heart, and I'm knocking. And if he'll open the door, I will come in with him. And I'm going to ask those of you that have prayed this prayer before to lend your voice with those that will be praying this prayer for the very first time. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And if you want to accept Christ as your Savior or lend your voice with those that are doing that, would you please pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I ask you, light of the world, to come into my heart and to shatter the darkness. I believe that you, Jesus, are the Son of God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross for my sins, and rose from the grave, just like the Bible says. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior today. I give you my past, and I ask that you redeem my present and my future. In Jesus' name.